Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, reading today from a book called Twelve Sermons on the Resurrection, all by Charles Spurgeon. We're on the second of those. It's called The Stone Rolled Away. The Stone Rolled Away. The text is Matthew 28.2. The angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Well, as the holy women went towards the sepulchre in the twilight of the morning, desirous to embalm the body of Jesus, they recollected that the huge stone at the door of the tomb would be a great impediment in their way, and they said one to another, Who shall roll us away the stone? That question gathers up the mournful enquiry of the whole universe. They seem to have put into language the great sigh of universal manhood, who shall roll us away the stone? In man's path of happiness lies a huge rock which completely blocks up the road. Who among the mighty shall remove the barrier? Philosophy attempted the task but miserably failed. In the ascent to immortality, the stone of doubt, uncertainty, and unbelief stopped all progress. Who could upheave the awful mass and and bring life and immortality to light? Men, generation after generation, buried their fellows. The all-devouring sepulchre swallowed its myriads. Who could stay the daily slaughter or give a hope beyond the grave? There was a whisper of resurrection, but men could not believe in it. Some dreamed of a future state and talked of it in mysterious poetry as though it were all imagination and nothing more. In darkness and in twilight, with many fears and few guesses at the truth, men continued to inquire who shall roll us away, the stone. To the women there were three difficulties. The stone of itself was huge. It was stamped with the seal of the law, and it was guarded by the representatives of power. Well, to mankind, there were the same three difficulties. Death itself was a huge stone, not to be moved by any strength known to mortals. That death was evidently sent of God as a penalty for offenses against his law. How could it therefore be averted? How removed? The red seal of God's vengeance was set upon that that sepulchre's mouth. How can that seal be broken? Who could roll away the stone? No answer was given to sages and kings, but the women who loved the Savior found an answer. They came to the tomb of Christ, but it was empty, for Jesus had risen. Here's the answer to the world's inquiry. There is another life. Bodies will live again, for Jesus lives. Sorrow no longer, ye mourners, around the grave, as those that are without hope. For since Jesus Christ is risen, the dead in Christ shall rise also. Wipe away those tears, for the believer's grave is no longer the place for lamentations. It is but the passage to immortality. I propose this morning to talk a little concerning the resurrection of our exalted Lord Jesus. And that the subject may the more readily interest you, I shall, first of all, 
bid this stone, which was rolled away, preach to you, and then shall invite you to hear the angel's homily from his pulpit of stone. First, let the stone preach. It's not at all uncommon to find in Scripture stones bidden to speak. Great stones have been rolled as witnesses against the people. Stones and beams out of the wall have been called upon to testify to sin. I shall call this stone as a witness to valuable truths of which it was the symbol. The river of our thought divides into six streams. Number one, first, the stone rolled must evidently be regarded as the door of the sepulchre removed. Death's house was firmly secured by a huge stone. The angel removed it, and the living Christ came forth. The massive door, you will observe, was taken away from the grave, not merely opened, but unhinged, flung aside, rolled away. And henceforth, death's ancient prison house is without a door. The saints shall pass in, but they shall not be shut in. They shall tarry there as in an open cavern, but there's nothing to prevent their coming forth from it in due time. As Samson, when he slept in Gaza and was beset by foes, arose early in the morning and took up upon his shoulders the gates of Gaza, post and bar and all, and carried all away, and left the Philistine stronghold open and exposed, so has it been done unto the grave by our Master, who, having slept out his three days and nights, according to the divine decree, arose in the greatness of his strength and bore away the iron gates of the sepulchre, tearing every bar from its place. The removal of the imprisoning stone was the outward type of our Lord's having plucked up the gates of the grave, post, bar, and all, thus exposing that old fortress of death and hell and leaving it as a city stormed and taken and henceforth bereft of power. Remember that our Lord was committed to the grave as a hostage. He died for our sins. Like a debt, they were imputed to him. He discharged the debt of obligation due from us to God on the tree. He suffered to the full the great substitutionary equivalent for our suffering, and then he was confined in the tomb as a hostage until his work should be fully accepted. That acceptance would be notified by his coming forth from durance vile, and that coming forth would become our justification. He rose again for our justification, it says. If he had not fully paid the debt, he would have remained in the grave. If Jesus had not made effectual, total, final atonement, he must have continued a captive. But he had done it all. The it is finished, which came from his own lips, was established by the verdict of Jehovah, and Jesus was set free. Come, brethren, let us rejoice in this. In the empty tomb of Christ, we see sin forever put away. We see, therefore, death most effectually destroyed. Our sins 
were the great stone which shut the mouth of the sepulchre and held us captives in death and darkness and despair. Our sins are now forever rolled away, and hence death is no longer a dungeon dark and drear, the antechamber of hell, but the rather it is a perfumed bedchamber, a withdrawing room, the vestibule of heaven. For as surely as Jesus rose, so must his people leave the dead. There's nothing to prevent the resurrection of the saints. The stone which could keep us in the prison has been rolled away. Who can bar us in when the door itself is gone? Who can confine us when every barricade is taken away? I read a poem, Who shall rebuild for the tyrant his prison? The scepter lies broken that fell from his hands. The stone is removed, the Lord is arisen. The helpless shall soon be released from their bands. In the second place, regard the stone as a trophy set up. As men of old set up memorial stones, and as at this day we erect columns to tell of great deeds of prowess, so that stone rolled away was, as it were, before the eyes of our faith consecrated that day as a memorial of Christ's eternal victory over the powers of death and hell. They thought that they had vanquished him. They deemed that the crucified was overcome. Grimly did they smile as they saw his motionless body wrapped in the winding sheet and put away in Joseph's new tomb. But their joy was fleeting. Their boastings were but brief. For at the appointed moment, he who could not see corruption rose and came forth from beneath their power. His heel was bruised by the old serpent, but on the resurrection morning he crushed the dragon's head. Vain the stone, says the song, the watch, the seal. Christ has burst the gates of hell. Death in vain forbids his rise. Christ hath opened paradise. Lives again our glorious King, where, O oh, death, is now thy sting. Once he died our souls to save. Where's thy victory, boasting grave? Brethren, beloved in Christ, as we look at yonder stone, with the angel seated upon it, it rises before us as a monument of Christ's victory over death and hell, and it becomes us to remember that his victory was achieved for us, and the fruits of it are all ours. We have to fight with sin, but Christ has overcome it. We are tempted by Satan. Christ has given Satan a defeat. We by and by shall leave this body. Unless the Lord comes speedily, we may expect to gather up our feet like our fathers and go to meet our God, but death is vanquished for us, and we can have no cause to fear. Courage, Christian soldiers, you are encountering a vanquished enemy. Remember that the Lord's victory is a guarantee for yours. If the head conquers, the members shall not be defeated. Let not sorrow dim your eye. Let no fears trouble your spirit. You must conquer, for Christ has conquered. Awaken all your powers to the conflict and nerve them with the hope of victory. 
set up that stone before your faith's eye this morning and say, Here, my master conquered hell and death, and in his name and by his strength I shall be crowned too when the last enemy is destroyed. For a third use of this stone, observe that here is a foundation laid. That stone rolled away from the sepulchre, typifying and certifying as it does the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is a foundation stone for Christian faith. The fact of the resurrection is the keystone of Christianity. Disprove the resurrection of our Lord and our holy faith would be a mere fable. There would be nothing for faith to rest upon if he who died upon the tree did not also rise again from the tomb. Then your faith is vain, said the apostle. You are yet in your sins. Well, they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. All the great doctrines of our divine religion fall asunder like the stones of an arch when the keystone is dislodged. In a common ruin they are all overthrown, for all our hope hinges upon that great fact. If Jesus rose, then is this gospel what it professes to be. If he rose not from the dead, then it is all deceit and delusion. But, brethren, that Jesus rose from the dead is a fact better established than almost any other in history. The witnesses were many. They were men of all classes and conditions. None of them ever confessed himself mistaken or deceptive. They were so persuaded that it was the fact that the most of them suffered death for bearing witness to it. They had nothing to gain by such a witnessing. They did not rise in power, nor gain honor or wealth. They were truthful, simple-minded men who testified what they had seen and bore witness to that which they had beheld. The resurrection is a fact better attested than any event recorded in any history, whether ancient or modern. Here is the confidence of the saints. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who witnessed a good confession before Pontius Pilate and was crucified, died and buried, rose again from the dead, and after forty days ascended to the throne of God. We rest in him. We believe in him. If he had not risen, we had been of all men most miserable to have been his followers. If he had not risen, his atonement would not have been proved sufficient. If he had not risen, his blood would not have been to us proven to be efficacious for the taking away of sin. But as he has risen, we build upon this truth. All our confidence, we rest upon it. And we are persuaded that raised from the dead, he goes before. He opens heaven's eternal door to give his saints a blessed abode near their Redeemer and their God. My dear hearers, are you resting your everlasting hopes upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? Do you trust in him, believing that he both died and rose again for you? Do you place your entire dependence upon the merit of his blood, certified by the fact of his rising again? If so, you have a foundation of fact and truth, a foundation against which the gates of hell shall not prevail, but if you are building upon anything that you have done or anything that 
that priestly hands can do for you. You are building upon the sands which shall be swept away by the all-devouring flood. And you and your hopes, too, shall go down into the fathomless abyss, wrapped in the darkness of despair. Oh, to build upon the living stone of Christ Jesus. Oh, to rest on him who is a tried cornerstone, elect, precious. This is to build safely, eternally, blessedly. Now there's a, a fourth voice that comes from the stone and a fifth and a sixth. We, we've got to stop right there for today. This is all part one of the sermon. There's three parts. We haven't even gotten to the fourth section of part one, but we'll finish, Lord willing, this message next time we get together. Thank you so much for being here. And this is the Hackberry House of Chosun. Lord willing, we will talk again real soon. Bye-bye.